0: It says that, it says, Talmidei hachamim marbim shalom ba'olam. How does, how does Torah learning bring shalom to the world? What do you think, Phil? If a guy is sitting and learning, we had a learning Yemarah this morning, how do we bring shalom to I don't know. So some some say, some explain, I think the Hatam Sefer says, that there is a certain amount of milhamah that needs to come into the world milhamah a war war between friends a war between people a war all types of wars a war even in marriages is all wars milhamah milhamah is when people are fighting there's a certain amount of fighting that comes down of energy of fighting that comes to the world when people sit and learn and they fight in Torah, so that 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 replaces the other fighting. So the more you fight, so if you sit and learn like you're in the library, some people they sit and learn, it's not going to help you. To the- but when you sit and you fight with each other, there's a mahloket bet Shamai and bet How to light nerot Hanukkah? He's asking me, how come we don't curse the goyim? Why don't we spend our time cursing them? We should sit down and and just, uh, you know, have right have calculated curses. So there's a mahluk at Bet Shammai and Bet Hillel on how to light Nerot Hanukkah. According to Bet Hillel, you have to light the first night one, and then the next night you add another one, until you get to eight. According to Bet Shammai, you have to start with eight. The next night you go to seven. And then the last night you light one. So the Gemara says, what's the logic behind Bet Hilal? So the Gemara says, because we have a rule. Ma'alin We are... Supposed to go up in kedusha and not go down, so you have to add. So every day you add with light. Bet Shammai, the Gemara says, what's their what's their source? They know the rule of Maalim Kodesh. What happened to them? So they, they bring in an interesting source. They say the source of Bet Shammai is the Pare a Hag. Hag is referring to Hag Sukkot. The word par means cow. On, on Sukkot, on Sukkot, on Sukkot. They bring communal korbanot. Total on Sukkot, they bring 70. 70 cows, these are for the 70 nations and every day they go down one. How do they get to 70? They start at 13, I believe at 13, then they go to 12, then they go to 11, then they go to 10. bottom yeah. line after seven days, if you count them, 70. So says Bet Shammai, the same way when we brought the Korbanot on Sukkot, every day we went down and down and out. You see, that's the system. This is Mahloket, Betilel and Bet Shammai. Again, Betilel says, you have to add to holiness, continue going up. Bet Shemai says, what should I do? I have in the Torah a system of how they brought the korbanot on Sukkot where they kept going down and down and down. So I'm going to follow that system. Now we know halakha is like Bet We follow Bet It doesn't mean Bet is wrong. When we follow Bet it doesn't mean Bet is wrong. In fact, our rabbis tell us, that in the time of Mashiach, we're going to follow Bet Shammai. So we're not saying that Bet Shammai is wrong, but we're just going to follow Bet Hillel now. Maybe sometime very soon, Be'ezat Hashem, we're going to follow Bet Shammai. The question is what is behind this mahlakat? Meaning, what is the deeper understanding of should you go up? Or should you go down? What does Hanukkah have to do with the bulls of the of the uh, of the of the uh, of Sukkot? But what does what, what does that have to do with anything? Beit Shammai says, Look in Sukkot when they brought the the korbanot, they brought the bulls, the parim. They they went down. So what, what does that have to do with Hanukkah? So some explain beautifully that there's a deeper debate here. Between Bet Shammai and Bet Tilel, you see Hanukkah represents darkness, the darkness of the nations. The darkness of the nations is that there, there's, a, there's a lot of confusion in the world, there's a lot of sheker in the world, a lot, of, a lot of lies in the world, and there's a lot of bad things in the world that come from the outside world. That's, we call that darkness. In fact, in this week's parashah, Parashat Bereshit, that was starting, there's a Midrash. The Midrash says, The the Torah describes a darkness that was in this world. Simply it means the world was dark. Literally dark. No light. But the Midrash says, what's an example of darkness? So it says, an example of darkness is Yavan. Yavan is Greece. So, Greece is given a description as darkness. What makes Yavan dark? Because their philosophies were off, their lifestyle was off. A lot of things about them were just not true. Maybe they did bad things as well, maybe they were violent. I don't whatever it is, whatever they were involved in, we call that in one word darkness. Because darkness means that you're in a place where there isn't a light of kidusha. Where there's no light of holiness is darkness. You can go to a certain place or a certain party and you'll say, Ah, a lot of darkness over there. And it could be very well lit and a lot of lights, right? But darkness describes areas of life that are lacking Kedusha. They could be in places, they could be in actions. You can say, oh, that guy is, is, a, is a very dark person. What does that mean? He's, he lives a life of darkness because he's confused. He's involved in bad things, the wrong things. He thinks what's important is not really important. What's not important, he thinks it is important. That's darkness. Any time in life, a person is involved in sheker. Again, sheker doesn't mean... That I don't say the truth. That's one type of Sheker. Sheker means falsehood. Sheker means living a lie. Let's say my whole life all I want is to make money. That's my life mission. That's called living darkness. Because making money is not a life mission. Making money could be a necessary part of a mission that is much greater. I need money so I can come to learn. I need money so I can give charity. I need money so I can support my children and they are able to grow. Okay, money is a vehicle to get you somewhere. That's not darkness. But if your life goal is just to make a lot of money, that's called living darkness. So not not that money is a bad thing, but when it becomes a goal... So it's chicken. When it's chicken, it's called you're living a life of darkness. A person who spends his whole day thinking about what other people are going to think about them is living darkness. You're, when your life is controlled by the society around you, you're living a life of darkness. doesn't make you a bad person. When we call someone doing bad, that necessarily is a bad person. In fact, like we said, Mashiach is able to see through the bed and see the greatness of a person. But we can't forget to describe when someone is doing something that's bad. That you're allowed to do. I'm allowed to say, hey, you're doing the wrong thing. You're not a bad person, but you're doing something bad. The right way to approach Am Yisrael is by the way, that was that was not the right thing. That action was dark. You're not dark, but the action was dark. So anytime a person is involved in something that isn't authentic, correct, purposeful, it's considered darkness. It's interesting, right? Why is it called darkness? Why would you say that anytime you're involved in falsehood, it's called darkness. Why they use darkness? I mean, there are other ways of describing something that isn't correct, right? You could, you could call it destruction or call it some other why dark? Why do you think it's called darkness? huh? But you're not able to see in darkness. It's meaning, meaning that even the person living darkness, is capable to see if the lights were on. Which lights? Which lights? Which lights? What, what lights up darkness in this world? Our mind. The healthy mind. Not any mind. The healthy mind. That's a very big very big description. Healthy mind. Healthy mind doesn't mean that God forbid the person it doesn't have cancer in his mind that what i mean uh, cancer that's not what it means a healthy mind means that you have a clear understanding of what and what isn't what's right what's wrong how to live how not to live how to the, how to understand certain things how to deal with certain things so hashem put us in a world of darkness when is the world dark when we don't use our lights. If you drive on the Garden State Parkway in the middle of the night and you shut off your headlights, you know how much you see? Nothing. Amazing. You see zero. You put on your headlights, it's almost like the daytime. This world, you must know one of the first principles in life that you must learn is that you're living in a world of darkness. You're living in a world that if you don't have your satellites up. And your mind isn't healthy. You're going to crash. The world is darkness. You know how people get in trouble in life. And people say oh how did that happen. Can't believe it happened. And marriage goes bad. So oh, how did it happen. A guy ends up being a drug addict. How did it happen? All types of failures in life, all over the place. And the natural reaction is, how could it be? People who ask, how could it be, don't understand the world. When you're driving in the Garden State Parkway, and you don't put on your lights, and the guy crashes, you don't ask, how could it be? I don't understand. How did he crash? What do you mean? How, how, how did he not crash? Or of course he's going to crash. He's living in darkness. So it's a very critical lesson of life. You're living in the world of darkness. That means if you're not going to make your mind light up, you should know you're for sure going to end up in the wrong places or end up doing the wrong things. And it will not be a surprise to anybody. So, so an example of darkness is the Greek Empire and all that came out of the Greek Empire. Greek Empire was very much into physical, into sports, into the Olympics. That was it, Sports to them wasn't just a, uh, a way to exercise. If a person plays sports to exercise, it's a healthy thing and it's good for the mind and good for the body. But if you make sports your bet Knesset, if you make sports your ideology of what's called an accomplished person in life, so then you are living in darkness. The Greeks introduced into the world all kinds of shekher, all kinds of things that are not true and not real, and that's why they call darkness. Oh. That's what Hanukkah is. Hanukkah is there's the darkness of the Greeks. And our job on Hanukkah, so to speak, is to light up the darkness. You follow so far? Oh. So, Bet says, let's go to Bet Shammai first. Easier. Bet Shammai says, listen, we see on Sukkot that we bring korbanot Representing the 70 nations, which very often bring darkness to the world. How do we fight the darkness of the 70 nations? How do we do that? So, the first day you bring 13 bulls. Next day you go down. Why are you going down the next day? You're going down because you're de- when you're destroying... After you destroyed the thirteen, you caused some strong damage into the world of darkness. You got you burned out the darkness. So the next day, hopefully, you have less. If you still need the same amount of bulls the second day, so you didn't do anything the first day. So the first day you knocked out a tremendous amount of darkness. Now you have less. That's why you have less korbanot. And the next day yeah, have less. That's the way you do it. So how do you knock out the darkness in this world? It says Bet Shammai on Hanukkah. You take the fire of the Nerot. What does fire do? It burns. You take the fire and on the first day you burn the darkness. You burn just like you do by the Sukkot. And that's why the first day you start with eight. Because there's so much darkness in the world and you start burning it. Well, now the next day, hopefully you did a good job the first day. Now you have seven, then you have six, then you go to one. Very logical. It's very logical. Now Bet Shammai makes a lot of sense. Beit Shammai is not, they're not off their rockers. They, 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 they know what they're saying. Very logical. Every day you burn the darkness of Sheker. So what does Bet Hillel say? Bet Hillel says that in this world, at least, halakha like Bet Hillel in this world, in this world that we live in, you shouldn't be focused on burning the darkness. In this world that we're living in, if you want to get rid of darkness, you have to light yourself up. Not the fire of the nerot, but rather the or, the light of the nerot. You see, fire has, this, it could burn things, and it could light up. Amazing, by the way. That's the way Hashem made the world. I'll tell you many times. The same thing, fire, gives you light. What's better than light? It also could destroy. The same, the same item. So Betilel says in our world, instead of using the destructive fire to burn the darkness use the light of the fire and start to light up your own life you need to light up so the first day light up a little bit next day you build on that start learning learn more do more this next day start of that and you continue as you continue to light up your life and the lives of other people, all of a sudden the darkness automatically goes away. You don't have to burn the darkness. You could just light yourself up and automatically the darkness will no longer be there. This is the opinion of Bet Hilel. Again, halakha like Bet Hilel in this world. Maybe in a different world where the world would look a little different where everything will be much more authentic maybe there is a different way to handle darkness but in our world today that's what we that's why the jewish reaction to darkness whether it's hamas or it's any other enemy the jewish reaction to darkness is to create more light we don't spend our time trying to destroy we spend our time trying to build because by building, you're actually doing the best way of destroying the darkness. That's all we spend time doing. So what does a Jew do when there's destruction in the world? What he does is he picks himself up. He starts learning more. He starts praying better. He starts giving more charity. He starts opening his heart to the needs of others. He starts becoming a bigger person. Like David al says, Sarot levavir hivu. When I have a tzara, when I have a problem, I have a sorrow in my life, my heart opens up. I become a greater person. I start thinking, what more can I do in my life to bring more light into the world? If there's still darkness out there, maybe I'm not bringing enough light into the world. I need to do more in my life. This is the way a Jew reacts. When you have sorrow, you don't spend time trying to fight the sorrow. You spend time lighting up yourself so that you can automatically take away the sorrow. That's why it says, it says, yeah, not... The simple translation of those words of David Amelech is, sur First, you have to get away. You have to get rid of the bed. And then you could do good. Simply, if a guy, for example, comes to you. He's mehalel Shabbat. He doesn't eat kosher. He's involved in all terrible things. Right. So now, what do you tell him? Come, let's sit down and do mitzvot. Let's sit down and learn. So the first, you know, you got to get rid of all the junk in your life. You're involved in bad things. You're going here at night. You're involved with these friends. You're drinking, you're hey, forget about it. Sur Get rid of all the evil, all the bad things that you're doing. Va And then start doing good. What's doing good going to help you when you're involved in such darkness? Nice, very logical. Sur mira. But some explain... That the pasuk could be explained the exact opposite. That you want to be surmira. You want to get a guy to stop doing bed. Tell him, come. Let's start learning. Let's start learning. Don't talk about the bed now. Start learning. Start doing mitzvot. Put on your sissid. Stop praying with the minyan. Start doing things. Start lighting up your life. Sur You want to know what the solution of Sur Merah is? Asetov. Do good. When you do good, slowly the ra will automatically fade away. Could be, by the way, that this pasuk would be a makhluket in betilel. How do you learn the pasuk? Betilel would say the second way. You want to be Sur Merah? Asetov. That's how you do it. You got to do good. Don't pay attention to the ra. Just focus on the good. And automatically, you'll start getting away from the bit. Bet Shemai says no. Read it the way it says. Sur Bottom line is, that is the answer to your question: Why we don't spend our time cursing others or our enemies, or we don't do that. We always turn into ourselves internally. We know also at the end of the day, another reason why we don't curse our enemies is because we know at the end of the day that it's not our enemies that are in control of whatever happens. We know that the creator of the world controls the world. And therefore, anything that happens is coming from an internal source that has to do with us. Because we're not doing something correctly, that's why things happen. That's the way our entire history has been. I told you one of the most famous questions that every Jew probably knows, every Jew knows. Why was the second beta HaMikdash destroyed? Famous question of the Gemara. Why was the second beta HaMikdash destroyed? Why was the first Beta HaMikdash destroyed? So, and they give all different answers. But the question should be already a problem for most of us. Why was the Beta HaMikdash destroyed? Do you know how many enemies we had during the first Beta HaMikdash that wanted to annihilate us? What you see today is just an example of many, many enemies that we've had for thousands of years. There was a very ruthless ruler with strong armies and they wanted to destroy us. What kind of question is that? Could you, ima- could you imagine somebody getting up today and saying, Rabbi I have a question. Why did Hamas attack Israel? What do you mean, why? Could you look at their charter? Look look, look, what they. Their, their whole mission in life is to destroy us. Is that is that really a question? Why did Hamas attack Israel? It's obvious why. So it's given asking, why did the beta Megdash get destroyed? You know, if a meteor came from of space and fell on the Beit HaMikdash and destroyed it, then the Gemara's question would be good. Why did the Beit HaMikdash get destroyed? What happened? If an earthquake came and shook the Beta HaMikdash and destroyed it, it's a good question. But when you're dealing with enemies and dealing with people that hate you and all they want is your destruction and they are successful, you're going to ask, why did that happen? It happened because look what you're dealing with. So what, 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 what? what's the about asking why the Beta HaMikdash was destroyed? Answer is, we Torah Jews understand that Hashem runs the world. And although, yes, they were enemies, and although they volunteered to do destruction and they will get what they need because of themselves stepping up to do, but bottom line, we know nothing can happen to us if Hashem doesn't sign off on it. That's why we don't waste our time focusing on the enemy and trying to curse or do. Of course, we have to fight, we fight. It's part of our hishtadlut. We always have to, have to do what's, what's logical in the physical world. But more than that, we turn into ourselves. And we say, what did we do that we deserve to get this? What are we doing wrong? What could we do better? This is the reaction of a Jew to destruction. Doesn't spend too much time thinking about the enemy. You have to fight the enemy, so you got to think about the enemy. But more than that, we don't waste too much time with that. We we spend our time looking internally about what we need to do. Look, you and I both know there are many people in the world, maybe not as dangerous as Hamas, maybe not as uh, 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 ruthless as 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 Hamas, but there are a lot of people that don't like us, and 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 maybe. In one way or another happy that things are happening the way they are so we we can't we can't imagine that we live in a world where everybody loves us everybody is excited for us or feels bad for us it's it's just not a reality but thank God Hashem protects us we've been protected it's a miracle actually that we live in the way we live and uh, things don't happen all the time so we have to ask ourselves whenever Whenever we're protected, thank God, Hashem is protecting us. Shomer Yisrael. But when we're not protected, we have to ask why. Why isn't the creator of the world protecting us? What did we do that we lost our protection? This is, uh, so over here, now that we're on that subject, just for a couple of minutes, just, and if you ask what's wrong, I mentioned on Shabbat that yesterday we started talking about the different uh, uh, the, the, the keli, the vessel that you have to be to earn Hashem's blessings. So we said yesterday, Naasev and Ishmael was one. And Moshe Rabbeinu, what else does he talk about in this Pesukim after Bezut Beracha? He says, hi bishurun melech, And there will be in Am Yisrael a king. Which means Hashem will be the king. He'll protect you. When? When I'm Yisrael, is living together. When we have ahadut, when we live like a family, we have a father. When we live like a family, Hashem says, oh, I'm your father. But when we live like strangers to each other, so we lose our father. Fatherhood of Hashem depends on us being a family. When is Hashem our Melech? When he sees that his children are together. Now somebody asked me on Shabbat, so what does it mean that we're together? That means we shouldn't argue with people who are doing wrong if they're a Jew. That means we shouldn't fight for our ideals with others. So absolutely not. Of course, of course, if you have somebody, let's say for example, terrible, terrible uh, example, but I have to give it. Let's say one of the children in the family Is becoming a threat, a danger to all the other children. He's bringing things home that are not good. He's destroying the home spiritually with the things that he's bringing in, the way he's acting, the way he just, you have a whole family, you have 10 kids, and this guy is literally coming in every day, you're working, working, working to promote goodness in your family and this guy comes and all he's doing is the opposite so what are you supposed to do he's your son you love him what are you supposed to do your other son says daddy you think I should spend time with my brother what do you tell him you tell him stay away from him but but when you say stay away from him it hurts you because it's your family. It's your son. You don't say stay away from him in a way that is, that you hate the guy. You feel bad that you have to tell your son to stay away from him. There's no choice. What are you supposed to do? You have to protect yourself. There's a way to fight with a brother and there's a way to fight with an enemy who's not your brother. A brother that you have to fight with could be it's a necessary fight it could be a necessary argument and it could be certain things you have to do to protect yourself could be but you still feel bad and you act and talk in a certain way he's still your son he's still your brother you can't make believe you can't treat him like he is some guy that's not relevant to you he is your son he's your brother so it doesn't mean that we have to agree with everybody and it doesn't even mean that we have to stay quiet when things are being done wrong. That could hurt us even from within. But it has to be done with a, with a certain respect and understanding and pain that I have to do this to my son that I have to say to my other son please don't hang out with him. It's not good for you. Maybe I would tell my other son you should know Right now, he's not in a good place. So it's not good to hang out with him. But really, we have to try to figure out. we got to pray for him. we got to pray for him, or we got to do things maybe to try to help him from, the, from different angles. It's your family. There's a way to fight with your family. Not the same way you fight with an enemy. This is very important to know. When we speak about ahdut, it doesn't mean that we all, that we take the guy who's off and say, you know what? You're just as good. It's fine, do whatever you want. It's all good. Let's just all be. come eat dinner with us and we're going to talk your language. We're going to do your... It's not what you mean. It's not what you mean. Everybody has to make smart, good decisions for themselves to get to the best place they can in their life. But even if you have to separate from a brother, it's not a separation that you enjoy and it's separation that comes with tears and it comes with filot. This is what it means, meaning it means you feel like your family. I could fight with you. I could demonstrate against you. But I love you. I want to tell you right now, I love you. Imagine you tell a guy that you're fighting with. He's trying to hurt your children. He wants certain things to be done. You know, in Israel, it's not so easy. Don't think it's so easy. You see a lot of fighting in Israel between the left and the right. It's not so easy. Here, we might look at it and say, oh, they're always fighting. Oh, why can't they just relax? You know, we sit here. There's nothing, there's nothing at stake for us. We sit here, nothing changes in our lives. Whether the left wins, wins the right win, wins. We don't care. For us, it's all the same. In America, what happens in government very rarely has to do with the Jewish community. What's the difference? Maybe the economy, maybe certain things. But you know in Israel... You're living in a country where every decision that's made could make a difference to your spiritual life. For example, for example, if you live in a neighborhood and all of a sudden the buses are moving on Shabbat and Shabbat becomes a desecration, that's not your neighborhood. my neighborhood is not, that's not We're, we're a Jewish neighborhood. We've been living this way for 30 years. all of a sudden, so no, we're making a new law now. We're gonna have drivers going through the bus on Shabbat. No, I'm not. I don't know how to handle that. That's not my point. But I'm saying that's affecting your life. That's affecting your children. The decisions that are made in Israel are very much connected to your life. It's not somebody sitting on the outside and discussing. Oh, so what you you know what, what should happen over there? It's happening here. All these issues. Yes army, no army, yes exemption, no exemption. When is the exemption? How the exemption? These are all questions. Forget what's the right thing or the wrong. It's not even the point. But the point is that every one of those things is very relevant to your life now. It's your Shabbat. It's your 18-year-old going to the army. It's him going to certain places. Maybe you're not going to be able to raise decent children if he goes. Maybe there's a way... Maybe there is a solution. Maybe there's a different kind of army. All, all I'm saying is that all these discussions are in your family. They're in your life. So if somebody is living a certain way and all of a sudden now the government comes and says, no, you have to live this way. Or even the other way. The guy's a leftist. He doesn't care. He's not sure they doesn't care about Shabbat. All oh, they tell him, listen, all the stores have to close. Can't have anything going on in Shabbat. I'm saying to his credit, what what, what what does that mean? I don't keep Shabbat. Why can't I have the bus running on Shabbat? I don't understand. Why can't stores open on Shabbat? There's many people like me. What's the problem? I understand him too. I, I don't agree with him. He's obviously ignorant of Judaism. But okay, he's my brother. I understand him. So now he has to fight. I understand it. But you have to understand, sitting in America and commenting about, oh, Look how they're fighting. It's okay. It's terrible how they're fighting. You, 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 you're, you're not involved. You have nothing in the game here. Guy's sitting outside and he's commenting on people who are playing and he's not involved. If you're involved, it's not so easy. Because every decision is affecting your life. So that's why I say the goal of ahdut isn't that we become all the same. It's not going to happen. But 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 when you do argue, when you do when you do demonstrate, you do fight, you tell you I love you. Wanna tell you, I love you. I love you. You're my brother, I love you. I, I can't I can't agree with what you're trying to do, but I love you. It's a different approach. I don't think Hashem wants us to just lay down and make believe we have no values and let everything happen the way it happens in the world. But it's a difference if you're fighting with a brother or you're fighting with an enemy. When we become enemies with our own brothers, we lose our father. And that really has been happening. And we need to strengthen that. That's why Moshe Rabbeinu says, You want my blessing? You gotta be a family. Different people in the family, different, but you gotta be a family. And even when you fight, you're a family. I want you to fight like a family. I want you to argue like a family. I want you to look at the guy and say, you're my brother. I love you. I disagree with you. I love you. Because people very often think that Ahadut means that you have to become one, you have to be all the same. You don't have to be the same. That's not what Hashem is asking from us. What we're asking is, you should be a family. It's such an important thing. You know, it says, I'll just finish up with this. It says by, uh, by Yaakov Avinu that um, he was uh, held accountable, let's say, for when he took... Dina and they were going to meet up with Aisab for the first time after many years. He was scared. So he took Dina, his daughter, and he put her in a box. And he hid her so that Aisab wouldn't think, take her for himself or for his children. He didn't want to make a shidduk with Aisab. And if he has a daughter, you know, it'll be a lot of pressure. So what do you do? He put her in a box. Hazal tell because he put her in a box. And he, he hid her from his brother. He says, you hid her from your brother? Isn't he your brother? So he got punished and that's why Dina got violated or whatever. And a rabbi says, come on, come on. are you kidding? You want to make a shidduk with Isa Rasha? How could you fault Yaakov for not wanting his daughter to be married to an evil person? What does that mean? How could you be held accountable for that? One rabbi says beautifully, he wasn't held accountable for hiding Dina. It's okay he put it in the box. But when he he closed the box, he closed it a little too hard. He closed it a little too much. I mean, he didn't close it with affection to his brother. He didn't close it thinking, I really wish she could be but the circumstances don't allow. He closed it, and his heart wasn't the way it was supposed to be. And for that he he was held accountable for. So that's what it means to have ahadut. Ahadut doesn't mean we have to agree, and doesn't mean we have to keep quiet, but it means that we fight as brothers. And we look at the guy that we're fighting and say, I love you. I love you, you're my brother, I disagree with you. So I have to come up and demonstrate against you, but I love you. That's a very big difference. If Hashem sees that we're brothers, even brothers can fight, but they're brothers. And this is one of the ways that a Jew earns a berakhah. When is there a melech in Israel? When we all become together and united. That's where the solutions are within ourselves, within our own light. Okay, have a good day, gentlemen.